a little bit of a nugget there. But in the New Testament, Matthew 28, baptize in the name of the? Love it. We're seeing um, when there's prayer happening, they pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When Paul says that you be one, one, one spirit, one Father, one salvation, one Savior. It's Trinitarian talk, okay? And we see that in the New Testament completely, but we already see it referenced in the Old Testament. Now, this changes every single other creation account, okay? Because if you think of all the monotheistic religions outside of Christianity. That's Islam, Judaism, and so forth. God as singular, creating from a lonely place, relationship only comes later. If you look at atheistic worldview, where we obviously come from rocks, rain, you're a rock, and it rained on the rock, and then you became slime, and then you became organisms, and now you're, you're a being. Um, if that is where we come from, then relationships developed as a means for survival. So you just have relationships to help you survive. Relationships is not necessarily that important. It's just a means to attain something else. And in the secular world, in the business world today, you'll have a relationship with your boss as a means to getting promoted, right? But a relationship is a means to something. Guys, if God out of a place of relationship, created, that does not make relationship a means to something. It makes relationship the ends. Not a means to an end, but the end. It makes it the main thing. Okay, now, follow with me. If from God came relationship as an end, what kind of relationship? Here's an interesting fact for you. There's actually a couple of creation accounts in Scripture. It's not just in Genesis. We find two other creation accounts. The first one in Proverbs chapter 8. Now in Proverbs chapter 8, there's this super cool thing happening. And so Proverbs 8 is about wisdom. And in chapter 8, wisdom is being personified. Thank you, Yalisma. Wisdom is being personified. And wisdom is said to be a person that is standing next to God while creation is happening. All right? So I'll paraphrase Proverbs 8, 27 to 29. Wisdom is speaking and wisdom says, I was there when God created everything. The skies, the heavens, the fountains, the foundation. I was there. Wisdom was there. Okay? Verse 30 and 31 says, Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. That is insane, to think that there was another being, God and this being, and this being is delighting, God is delighting this being, and this being is Rejoicing in God. But isn't that just personification? Isn't that just personification of wisdom, which is a characteristic? Not if you look at John chapter 1, which is another creation account in Scripture. In John chapter 1, we see that John is writing and he's saying, The Word, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's Trinitarian language. 
there's, there's three steps there. There's the word of God that's with God, but it is God. And he was in the beginning with God and all things was made through this word, okay? But then in verse 14, it says, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. And verse 17 and 18 says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only God, but Jesus Christ has made him known to us. So, let me paint you this picture, okay? Here's God, here's the word, and here's wisdom. And they are there ever since the very beginning. Here's what's happening. I'm gonna ask Halgaard and Neti. Will you guys quickly come join me up on stage, okay? Can we give them a hand as they join me? All right. Halgaard, you need to stand in the middle. In the middle, Neti on the other side there, okay. So, take a look at what's happening here, okay? Now, if I think of creation, what's happening in creation, I'm thinking of God, old man, beard, standing there, it's dark, there's nothing, and he says, light. Right? Yeah? And then, he, and then he says, stars. You know? But you've got to have the voice. It's about the creation voice. Okay? It's all about the voice. But if this creation account is true, that's not what, what's busy happening. We've got the Word. We've got the Father. We've got wisdom. We've got Trinitarian language. We've got the Spirit, the Son, the Father. And they are together. Okay? All right. Now, there's something intimate here because they're with one another, but they're also are one another. They're, they're like wrapped up in each other's bosoms. You know, they're like, they're hugging. They're close. They're intimate. Okay. This is going to get more weird. I hope you're ready. Okay. More than that, Proverbs 8 says, I was daily his delight and he was my joy. The Hebrew word for delight <laughs> is shashua. Can you say shashua? shashua? You know what that means? Shashua means to dance, to frolic, and to play. So when it's saying, I was daily as delight, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're dancing, they're delighting, they're frolicking, and out of this place comes the oceans and the creatures and everything out of this rapturous, loving display. They're knowing, they're being known, they're caring, they're praising, they're loving, they're singing, they're dancing, they're playing. And the earth is being formed and light is coming and stars and animals and it is just glorious. And at some point they stop and they look at each other and, and they're like, I've got, I've got an idea. Let's share this. Let's, let's share what we have here. Let's make someone in this image that is capable of having what we have. Let's share this. You guys can go take a seat. Thanks, guys.
creation came forth out of a loving, intimate, dancing, playing, joyous exchange. There was a relationship right here that had deep, intimate knowledge of one another. There was complete, boundless love and endless joy. And from this place, God said, let's share this with others. And from that place, that's when, he's, when he looks at each other, I say, let us. Hey, let's, let us make man in our image. If this is the relationship we came from, friends, then this is not just our origin. It's the relationship we've been created for. It's where we came from, but it's what we came for. Brings me to my second point, the need for relationships. So, it's not going to help that I speak to you about this relationship in theoretical terms. We need to experience this relationship for ourselves. And the first kind of relationship that we deeply need, if we're ever going to know intimate knowledge, boundless love, and endless joy, that we need to go get it from the origin. We need to get it from God. That's the first kind of relationship that you need if you ever want to enjoy this kind, these kind of relationships. The first kind of relationship. If you look at what Jesus is saying about the importance of relationship in John 17. Now, John 17 is probably one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. You're probably not supposed to have favorites, but it is one of my favorite chapters. Here's why, okay? Jesus is in the garden. He's going to be crucified the next day, and he knows it. And there's this intimate conversation between Jesus and the Father. Jesus is praying. He's interceding. He knows his time is not much. He doesn't have much time left. So he's praying to the Father, and he's praying a couple of things. It's the longest exchange that we get between the Son and the Father. It's incredible. Go read it. In verse 2, Jesus says, Father, thank you that you have given me the authority to give eternal life to whoever I want to. Anyone here want eternal life? You want eternal life? Okay, yes, great. Shop us. Do you know what it is? Are you sure you know exactly what eternal life is? Because we tend to think that it, it starts the day you die on this earth and you go to heaven, right? Wrong. That's not, where, that's not when it starts. Not according to Jesus, at least. Because the Greek word for eternal is the word ionios. Can you say ionios? That is a Greek word that is used to refer to the quality of life above the duration. So when Jesus says, you have given me the authority to give eternal life, he's not saying life that's gonna start once you die. He's saying the highest quality of life possible right now, never ending. I'm gonna give you the highest quality of life possible. Then he defines what it is. He, he gives you the answer where to get that. In verse three, Jesus says, this is Ionios' life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What? The highest quality of life you can enjoy 
is a relationship with God? I mean, well, look, guys. Europe is a great place to be, right? There's, some, there's a pretty high quality of life right there. I mean, there's free health care. There's um, job opportunities. <laughs> free education. I'm lost for words. There's free education. There's... I mean, there's incredible food. You're probably going to have an incredible house to stay in. You're never going to lack anything. And your life expectancy is way longer than here. So if you're chasing the highest quality of life possible, why not just leave South Africa and go to Europe? Here's what Jesus is saying. If you believe this is the word of God and that Jesus Christ is the creator God who became a man and this is his words, then he is telling you that it doesn't matter what your circumstances are like. If you do not have me, you still lack. If you do not have a relationship with me, you're still not at the highest quality of life possible. You still lack. And you'll still be hungry and you'll still be looking. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, the only way to get this is when you have a relationship with God where you understand that there is intimate knowledge of God and God of you. And in that place, there is boundless love. And from that place, you get to enjoy endless joy. Only then will you know the highest quality of life. If you look at this quote from Timothy Keller, he says this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. In other words, you love me, but you don't fully know me. Wait until you get to know the parts of my life that you don't like. All of a sudden, you're not going to love me anymore. So it's comforting and good to have you love me, but it's superficial because you don't know everything. And I bet if you did, you wouldn't love everything. He goes on to say, but to be fully known and truly, no, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. Our greatest fear is to open up to someone and they don't like what they see. Says, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, it's a lot like being loved by God. Now, I used to fear rejection a lot. Came from a divorced household, loved my parents, got a great relationship with both of them. But there was lack in relationship for me. And I wanted to make sure that my children don't have that. So if I liked a girl, man, I've, I made her rich with gifts and flowers, and then she liked me, and two weeks later, I never heard from her again. She just ran away, and I don't know why. I, just, I don't think phoning her 12 times a day would be uh, overbearing, or... <laughs> I mean, what's, what's wrong with five bunches of flowers every day? What's, I mean, girls love flowers, right? No, I'm just kidding. And when she rejected me, that... I, wanted, I needed to do something to get to get free from that, that feeling, that pain, that rejection. So I became sort of addicted to gaming and to watching YouTube videos and just drowning the emotions in a flood of dopamine. It was awesome. Lee, horrible. <laughs> and so to try and stop this, I would, I would, like even when I was in ministry, 2015, 2016, I would share this with my leaders. I'm like, I'm struggling with this. Like, I know it's not right and I need to be free. And, and I was just waiting, like, give me the key. <clears throat> give me the answer. How am I going to get free from this? 
And I was hoping, like, it's probably going to be some profound Hebrew sentence with some Greek truths of this, I don't know, amazing key that's going to unlock my life. And it's the five steps to total freedom and the six steps to the best life now and happiest you. And none of that happened. The more I got those answers, it helped nothing. My freedom came the moment I started realizing that whatever it is that I feel, this rejection, this feeling of failure, this emotion, if I came to God with it and I gave him an intimate knowledge of me, I would find boundless love washing wave after wave after wave. And over time, my desire for that relationship in my place of rejection and failure became so much greater than anything this world could offer, always came back to relationships. Always came back to relationships. Relationship with God first. Intimate knowledge, boundless love, endless joy in God. But you wanna know what's the absolutely insane thing? That in the beginning, when Adam was in the garden, he had perfect relationship with God. Him and God in the garden. He had dominion over creation, plants and creatures. I mean, he was probably like hitchhiking a lion to the next tree that he needs to graze. And I mean, there was no death, so not, not a single springbok lost in the garden, you know. Anyways, <laughs> and every time God created something, I mean, l listen, Adam had the perfect image. He was beautiful. He had great food. He had everything. And every time God created something, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and we see Adam is lonely. God says, it is not good that man should be alone. Think of the implications of this. Adam is in paradise, in relationship with God, but he's lonely. I made a picture for you. <laughs> this one's, I showed it at the morning service, but it's actually for the evening service. Guys, you understand the humility of God to do this intentionally? I mean, God doesn't make anything that's not good. And he said, it is not good that man should be alone. Intentionally, God created man to desperately need relationships with one another. Now, I know what you're thinking, okay? Because God made a woman for man and they got married and they were in front of each other, naked, unashamed, everything. So you're saying, Christian, yes, you've confirmed it. I'm not going to be happy until I find a husband. No. Or a wife. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. For all of history and eternity, singleness was never, ever an advocated for lifestyle. It was never viable until Jesus Christ came. And Jesus Christ was single, and Paul the Apostle was single, and here's what Paul says. He says, the reason I am single is because Jesus is the perfect bridegroom. And if I have Jesus, I have the perfect bridegroom. 
You need to get married out of that place, guys and girls. Not out of a place that says, I'll never be happy unless I find that one. But Paul and Jesus had friends. They had good friends. And God says it's not good for man to be alone. And he makes him a friend. If this is the reality of our relationship with God, and this is our need for relationship with other people, then what is going to be the influence of that relationship on other people? What is the influence of godly relationships on our relationships with everyone and anyone? That's my third point. The first thing we're going to have is we're going to have godly trust. In relationship, you will have godly trust. If you have this intimate knowledge with God, but boundless love and endless joy, where you step into a new relationship, you will have trust. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, it says, the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Can everyone say naked and not ashamed? Naked and not ashamed. Yes, they knew everything about each other. Here's a short tip, small tip to successful relationship. The key to every single great relationship, the extent to which you know one another is the extent to which you are connected relationally. So if there's anything that I am hiding from my wife, then in that area, we will not be connected. And slowly but surely, our relationship will start deteriorating. When you don't want to trust, it's probably because you fear rejection. But when you have God's approval and acceptance, then no rejection is ever big enough to steal the value of being accepted by God. It's like going to your sibling because you're broke and you say, hey, can I have a hundred rand? And your sibling says, no. And your parents come to you and they say, don't worry, we've got you back. Here's five million rand. <laughs> yes, that's how much more worth God's acceptance is than someone's rejection. So why are you chasing their acceptance and compromising your relationship with God? Don't, that's not how it works. You've got to bring your relationship with God into every other relationship. It's going to be godly trust. Number two, there's going to be godly character. Verse 20b of Genesis chapter 2 says God made Adam a helper. A helper. Now, what does a helper mean? Is that an errand runner? Is that a slave? Frau Boltong. For those who don't understand Afrikaans, I just said wife, built on. No. No, the Hebrew word for helper, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's usually used in the Old Testament to refer to God as helper. And God is not errand runner. And God's help, think about the series we just finished, Change Please. God's help comes to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. So when God made Adam a helper, he made him some, someone different than himself. He made him woman. Here comes Eve. She's different to Adam. Here's why. Because she's got stuff Adam doesn't have. And it's not on her physical body, okay? It's in her mind. It's the way she thinks. It's the way she is. I can help someone with math. If I know math, they don't know math. I can help someone in the areas know Jesus Christ, become like him in the areas that I am like him and they are not. You will never know Jesus Christ fully without community. 
You're not going to know him. But here's the thing. If you know Jesus Christ, you're going to pursue godly character. Becoming this and building this in people around you. You know what's the implications of this on dating? You're not just looking for a hottie with a body. The first thing you're going to do is pursue someone who has made becoming like Jesus Christ one of their highest priorities. That's what you're going to do because that's who you are. The first thing you're going to be looking for is not someone who has portrayed a very nice image on Instagram. What they look like. You're going to pursue someone who made Jesus Christ their first priority. Final thing, there's going to be godly unity. If you have a relationship with God, then you're going to have godly unity with people. Look at John 17, verse 11b. So Jesus continues on with his prayer, one of the things he's praying with. I'm going to conclude with this. He says, Holy Father, keep them, my disciples, in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. That they may have with one another what we get to have with one another. Talia, will you join me up on stage? Here's the incredible thing about this, okay? When, when God created out of that intimate place, mankind, said, let us, and he made us for this, to have one, just as he is one, to have intimate knowledge, boundless love and endless joy. We broke that. We broke that. And I can just, I can just imagine the day that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And I think the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they huddled back up. They looked at one another and they say, man, we knew this was gonna happen. We hoped it wouldn't, but how do we fix this? How are we gonna restore this? How are we gonna say that they can have with one another and with us again what we meant for them? How are we gonna fix this? And I think the son said, I'll go. And they probably said, Jesus, they're gonna reject you. You're gonna give them intimate knowledge. They're gonna know you and not love you. And says, that's okay. As long as through that, they get to know us again. They say, but Jesus, they're gonna kill you. They're gonna crucify you. And says, that's okay. Just so long as we never ever have to reject or crucify any of them ever again. This is where it, where it got real. The father probably told the son, but for the first time, my boy, in all of creation and in all of history, for the first time ever, you and I will have to be separated. We're gonna have to give up our intimate knowledge, our endless love, our boundless joy, our mix that up, but we're gonna have to give it up for the first time. And you're gonna hang on a cross and you're gonna say, my father, why have you forsaken me? And you're gonna experience the worst, deepest kind of rejection and hurt that no one has ever experienced. Because I'm gonna have to turn my back on you because you're gonna become their sin. And that made Jesus sweat blood right there. And 
still he did it. Still he said, Father, they're worth it. Father, just as long as that makes the way for them to know me and to have unity among each other again, I'll do it. Friends, can we respond to that beautiful sacrifice by Jesus to restore this in every single one of our relationships? We've had an altar call here. I feel we're going to pray for one thing. If there has been anything in your life, any relationship, any person, anything, any job opportunity, any circumstance, anything that you have been pursuing above relationship with Jesus Christ, don't you want to give that up to have Him your number one priority? And don't you want to call that relationship and make a commitment tonight to bring that relationship into every other relationship in your life? Can we do that? If what I've just described, you realize you want to do that and commit to that tonight, will you stand so we can pray with you? down other stuff relationship with God this is our pursuance wonderful alright all of the people who are around these people standing up right now let's gather around them just lay our hands on them and I'm going to pray a prayer over us and if you need personal ministry beyond this will you come afterwards to the front and we'll pray for you Let's lay our hands on these people. Let's gather around them, lay our hands on them. Let's pray over them. I'll pray. You agree. Let's do this. Father, praise you, worship you for every person who's responding right now to say that no other relationship will I pursue, no other person will I love, no other relationship is greater than yours. I pray, Father, that from this day on, they will commit to being, making themselves intimately known by you. And they will commit to intimately knowing you. I pray, Father, as they're opening up to you the parts of their lives they've always hid, they've never wanted anyone to know this, they will find wave after wave after wave of endless and boundless love that washes them clean, that says, come, come to me. Don't punish me anymore by turning your back. I've already gone through that. Just come to me and I'll wash you clean, whiter as snow. Father, may we walk out of this place knowing the joy of relationship with God and bring this relationship into every other relationship that we have. We never have to fear trust. We always can pursue character. We can be united under the banner and the family of Jesus Christ. Lord, let this never stop here. Let this continue on. We love you. We honor you for what you have done tonight. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand? Awesome. Amen.